0: You would not have had to be around this church very long, maybe a month or two, to know that there is a rift, a sort of ever-widening rift between the lectionary and me. (laughs) The lectionary is this tool that we have, this vehicle that we have that Delivers the readings that we have in church Sunday after Sunday. The idea of the lectionary was a good one. This thought that, well, over the course of a three year cycle, if we pick a number of readings, if someone comes to church on a fairly regular basis, over the course of three years, he or she will be exposed to a good portion of the biblical narrative itself. The frustration that I feel is like, well, yeah, okay, We've, we, we hear the calling of Samuel but we miss the song of Hannah, his mother, who implores to the Lord to be, to be able to have a child and then re-offer him up to God's care and nurture. The frustration that I feel is that there are so many fantastic stories That if this is the only place where you ever listen to or read the Bible, you just miss out. You miss out on an awful lot of really cool and dynamic stuff. Further, you might miss out on the flexibility and the heart of the story. If this is the only place that we hear it. And... If I'm being critical of the lectionary, then I also ought to affirm the lectionary when I believe that it works. And during the season of Advent, I believe the tool works. It stops trying to tell us the story from the beginning to end, and it has the objective of preparing us The faithful, God's people, Christians, followers of Jesus, the curious, spiritually curious, however you identify. It prepares us for this amazing event that happens on Christmas Eve. It teaches us how God has been narrating an experience from the very beginning to the end by connecting These stories that echo one another. What do I mean by that? Well, you can hear in Malachi a very similar story in Luke's gospel this morning, right? They're all pointing toward something that has been consistent from the very beginning of time until the moment that the author, the evangelist, or the prophet tells the story again. One of the things that I love about Advent and the work that the lectionary does during Advent is it gives us this sense of how we connect to God. And that can be a struggle, right? It can especially be a struggle as a Western or even an American Christian, where we inherit this understanding that perhaps from over time that perhaps the way that we relate to God is in a moment in time, where we find ourselves despairing, frustrated, scared, angry. We maneuver ourselves to a quiet room. We close the door and lock it. We take a knee and we commit our lives to Jesus. We have some sense as Western Christians or American Christians, and this is accidentally and with the best of intentions, that connecting to God is transactional. We do it on our knee in the quiet of our room. We do it when we sit in a pew and listen to a preacher. We do it when we come and receive the body, and maybe sometime after this pandemic ends, again, the blood of Jesus that there are things that we have to do. There are boxes that need to be checked. And yet the story does not read that way. It reads in a very different way. And I think that's the point that Advent is trying to lead us toward, that this is another moment in time where God is putting forward the most important point of all of this is that we have a relationship. One in our own lives to God and amongst one another through the arc of the story of God's involvement with God's people. But when we're just picking these stories out one after another, we miss that relational trajectory that Advent does such a good job of explaining. So if we think about how God wants to connect to us, to humanity, we remember the beginning of the story. Oh, like, like, hey, I made this beautiful place for us to live together. It's amazing. It's paradise. That doesn't quite work out the way that God Thinks it will, right? So we get pushed out into a new place. We begin living on our own. That becomes a disaster. There's really no connection between God and us. And so God sends the rain and the flood and the storm. But after that, says, Never again. My desire is to be connected to you from here until eternity. And so I've made this promise. And the sign of that promise is a rainbow. Well, that begins to go. A little wrong too, right? So all of a sudden, there's an act of liberation. There's a burning bush that gets recognized. There's a king, a number of kings. There are rules, right? Guidelines. Ten clear guidelines. There's a whole constituency of people like Malachi that we hear. People who have been empowered by God to speak to God's longing to be connected to us throughout time, but in the immediacy of our lives as well. The thing that Advent does a wonderful job at doing, the way that the lectionary is built, is showing us that This work that we have as faithful people is not transactional. It's not one time or even two times or a third time, but it's the ongoing development of trust and intimacy and partnership that God is desirous of so that we become partners, co-creators in this community, in our families, in the world. And the work that we have before us, of course, is love. I was thinking about this as I was preparing to preach today, and I was like, how do you describe the difference between a transactional exchange and a relationship one to another? And I was thinking, I, some of you know my best friend, Pittman. I have this best friend, Pittman. Pittman's a therapist. He lives in Austin. Um, He's a therapist in private practice. He's also a mindfulness and self-compassion teacher. He's kind of a guru, a wonderful, benevolent, helpful guru. And Pittman and I have been friends um, since we were young, and our friendship has grown and changed over the course of the many years that we have lived in and around each other. He is godfather to my son I am Godfather to his son. We have a long-standing relationship. But what I was thinking about is if our relationship was built on a singular event, if I, as an eighth-grade St. John's Rebel football player, had gone to midfield to meet Pittman, a Kincaid Falcon football player, at the end of the game, and I took a hold of his hand and looked him in the eye and shook his hand and said, Pittman, here's the deal, brother. We now are friends. And that was it? Our relationship would look very different, right? But it's at each step, at each turn, at each season, at each season of struggle, each season of great joy, at every milestone in my life and every milestone in his, that we have been there one for another. Even Pittman and I haven't lived in the same town for 21 years but we can pick up with each other in less than 30 seconds. I went to Austin to do a wedding for a very dear friend back in October and I spent time with Pittman and his little brother and his mom and dad and Pittman's kids. And it was just like, you know, we were right there one to another. That is the way that God is longing To connect with you and with me. It's true that it's a little different, right? I don't sit there in front of God in the same way that I sit there with Pittman. God and I don't share the same passion for the University of Texas Longhorns that Pittman. Clearly, right? Clearly, we don't. God is longing to have a relationship of trust and mutuality and partnership with us. We have this opportunity over the course of the next three weeks to reconnect with the idea that our relationship to God is one over time and that there is mutual exchange that goes back and forth with each of us. I found myself this week. We had a, um, we had a quite tragic funeral here this week, a, a, a St. John's family who suffered the um, sudden and immediate loss of their patriarch, a 57-year-old man, and it was quite sad. You know, the... Some some things that we do as human beings, like the more we do them, the easier they get. And I can tell you as a priest and a pastor, the more I sit with families who suffer those same kind of tragedy, the harder it gets. You know, the work of the faithful person, the work of the follower of Jesus is to get softer, not harder. And I found myself um, over the course of this week, like, God, me through this. God, why me? God, what would I say? God, how can I show up for these dear people who are suffering? And I was able to do it in the way that I am, and I was able to witness this whole community show up for those people in such loving ways. At one point in time, in Hanson Hall on Friday, I saw two generations, a mother and a daughter, both embracing two children of this man who was lost. It was one of the most beautiful things. The point that I'm trying to make here is that the work that we do as people of faith is relational, not transactional. It doesn't diminish the real moments in time that where we've connected with God, perhaps you have taken that knee in a quiet room and it was meaningful. Perhaps I or someone else in this congregation, um, found themselves on, on the banks of the snake river and baptized you or one of your children. I'm not saying that those moments in time are meaningless. I'm saying that they are symbolic of an ongoing, deepening, trust-building, love-building exchange. Over the course of the next three weeks, you and I have an opportunity to await another beautiful moment where we can share in God's extraordinary efforts at coming into relationship with us once again, when we welcome that baby Jesus again. Sometimes these stories, they get a little rote. Sometimes the prayers that we pray here, they become formulaic to us. We miss the power of relationship. If you read the creed after this sermon, we're going to say the creed together, I should say. In every Episcopal church I've ever been a part of, Some of us are going to say the creed and some of you are going to be like, I don't say that thing anymore because I don't really believe everything that it says in it. That's not the point. The point is not about tenets of belief and dogma that you need to take in and be dominated by or or be assimilated to in some way. The point is for us to remember as a people the extraordinary links that God goes to to stay in relationship with us. At the end of the day, it's about how much you and I are loved by God. Try that on for the creed. Listen to the first paragraph of the Eucharistic prayer. When you pray the Lord's Prayer in just another few minutes, do it from the perspective that the vehicle itself, the prayer itself, is meant to connect us in a meaningful way to a God who loves us and is willing to do whatever wild and mystical and creative and beautiful thing God can dream up in order to stay in relationship with you, with me with us. Amen.